The First Nations, Métis, and the Inuit people of Canada have always been a proud tradition of Canadian military service. During the First World War, many Indigenous people participated and contributed to the country in the front line. The skills which Indigenous men had, such as their stealth, patience, and their shooting skills, were valued during battles. These qualities led many indigenous men to be elusive snipers and reconnaissance scouts who gathers information on enemies. In September 1939, the Second World War erupted and the indigenous communities answered the call of duty and joined the military. By the end of the war, it was estimated that over 3,000 indigenous members had served in the military. Many indigenous people left a remarkable record of wartime accomplishments, serving as leaders of platoons and combat instructors. One specific job, which was only applicable for the indigenous soldiers, was the cold talker. The cold talkers were the Canadian military's secret weapon and relatively unknown today. The cold talkers were also who developed memorized and transmitted messages in code based on their languages, and whose contributions were just as vital as their American counterparts in World War II. In today's episode of Unrevealed History with Takara, we will be digging deeper into the story of the most famous Canadian code talker, Charles Tompkins, who is also known as Checker. A beautiful traditional Korean music will be played in the background for this episode. Charles was a Meti man from Alberta who spoke Cree. After marrying Lena Anderson in 1939, Charles Tompkins joined the Canadian Army to serve in the Second World War. Six months later, he was called to England. After landing in Scotland on Christmas Eve in 1941, Charles was assigned to the 2nd Canadian Armed Brigade, stationed in England. One day, he and 600 other indigenous soldiers were summoned by the Canadian High Command and not even his commanding officer knew why he was being called. Upon their arrival, the Canadian Armed Forces divided them into different groups based on the languages they spoke. He was then paired off with another Cree soldier from Saskatchewan and they were put in different rooms with a phone. They were then given different things to translate. They returned accurate translations and were told that they would soon be served as code talkers translators of top-secret allied military communications. The Cree language did not have words for things like tank and machine gun, so new words had to be made up. They had uh, a way of expressing every different type of aircraft that they had. That's a mosquito bomber. Sagamis is a mosquito, and a bomber is an explosion in Cree. 
Indigenous languages were a crucial part of an Allied plan to hide information about troops and supplies from enemies. Although Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan were able to break some of the Allied codes, they could not figure out indigenous languages in Canada. Allied forces treasured code talkers as the languages helped discuss inf important information. He was then assigned to the American 8th Air Force and the 9th Bomber Command in England. When he was asked about other Crees he knew stationed in overseas, he named six others. They were brought together for about a week and he began his career as a code talker by showing the others how to use Cree terminology for various animals and birds as code words. He translated vital information about Allied forces. Some of the examples are the orders for troop movement and the description of supply lines or aircraft with bombs. After translating messages into Cree, he was sent back to battlefields in Europe to pass the information to military commanders. When the war ended, he returned to Edmonton, Canada. He answered in his interviews that he could not express how relieved and happy he was back home. He recalled his experience at war as the most horrible experience. After coming back from the battlefield, he struggled to find a job and decided to re-enlist in the Canadian Army. He served in several regiments in Calgary for another 25 years. He told his brother that no matter what an Indian soldier did, he was overlooked for promotions and only after working for the army for years and years that he was finally made a corporal. Charles' family was unaware that he had served as a code talker until two months before his death in August 2003 at the age of 85. As he had vowed to remain silent, the family only found out when two representatives from Smithsonian Institution came to interview him. He didn't like the war because of the destruction he saw and the action that he was in. I told Checker it's about time our Nistows are getting some credit for what they did. And that's when he told me that he was a code talker during the war. I asked him why he hadn't told me earlier. He said I was sworn to secrecy. And that's why he never said a word. He died in a hospital in Calgary in 2003. He is now buried in the veteran field of honor section of the Queen's Park Cemetery. The top secret operation is credited with having helped win the war. To this day, the US or the Canadian governments have not recognized the role of the Canadian code talkers in World War II. Little documentation about the efforts of the code talkers exist in Canada, but Charles and the other code talkers will remain honored in our history.